Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. Today we're going to be talking about breakout players for 2020. Um, it's funny, we were just talking, and I love what you said. You can't win your fantasy league in the first round, but you certainly can lose it. So you got to go out there, you got to make good picks, but ultimately, that's not going to be enough. The later rounds, getting some of those breakout performers, that's going to be a huge key to winning your league. As well as, why make this video so early? We are putting this out before the Super Bowl. Well, Simply the reason for that is, is there's probably going to be, you probably have hundreds of friends and family who play fantasy football and think, you know what, I'll study in the summer, I'll get to it in July. There's simply too much football information to absorb then, so we're going to start now. It's definitely not because we have a slight addiction. Don't call us on that. But anyways, Rob, you have uh, something you wanted to say before we get into it. Yeah, two things I want to talk about. One, we want to hear your prediction on the football game. San Francisco versus Kansas City. Uh, I think San Francisco is going to win. I'm pulling for Kansas City. I like Pat Mahomes. But anyways, in our comments, uh, tell us who you think is going to win. Now, before we get into... Uh our video of breakout players, I think we need to define what is a breakout player. I think that's really important. So here's kind of a loose definition that we use to describe a breakout player. And here's what it says. A breakout player is a what I would call a, a fantasy football player who has been ineffective or marginal in the past, but suddenly becomes a fantasy football stud one year. Breakout players happen every year in fantasy football. The question is who are going to be this year's breakout players. So we need to stick to that definition once again. A player who in the past was ineffective or marginal who now becomes a stud. Important to stick to that. Uh, for example, right now, I saw a few sites are talking about Joe Mixon being a breakout player next year. I will say this. I'm actually big on Joe Mixon next year. I think he's going to have a huge year. But is he really following that definition of a breakout player? Um, could you really call him ineffective or marginal when the last two years he's had back-to-back 1,000 -back years rushing seasons? If you look at it, one year he's ninth in NFL in rushing and another year fourth in NFL in rushing yards. And in back-to-back -back seasons, if you look at the total rushing yards, he's seventh in the NFL with a combined 4.48 yards per carry. Um, for me, that's hardly marginal or ineffective, right? Would you agree mm -hmm. with that? No, I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, so I like him. I think he's going to have a good year next year. I'm huge on the guy, but I couldn't call him a breakout player. Now, if you followed us last year, we were huge on a wide receiver that we pushed really hard, Allen Robinson. We said Allen Robinson's a, um, a tier one wide receiver who's got... He's being taken in the, the third tier. That's where he's fallen in the drafts, right? Um, but we didn't call him a breakout player, and here's why. He had a year where he had 1,400 yards of 14 TD. So even though we thought he was going to have a big year, we were huge on the guy. So you've got to grab him. He's fallen way too far. He could be considered, in our estimation, according to the definition, a breakout player. So once again, that's the definition we'll use. Anything you want to add before we get to our first guy? Nope. Sounds good. All right, the first guy I want to talk about is Preston Williams. Guys, I love Preston Williams. He was 22 last season, and he was a rookie last year, so he will be a second-year, 23-year-old player next year. That, of course, makes him very young. Of course, we love that because there's a lot of potential to grow and develop in your first few years in the NFL. You know what? This guy fits the mold. At six foot five, 218 pounds, he is a good size for a wide receiver, and he's shown a lot of talent. So let's read some stats real quick. We'll talk about some of the downsides and then some of the upsides. For starters, last year he saw 59 targets for 32 catches, 418 yards, and three touchdowns. However, he started in just eight games and played in just nine games. This is, of course, because he tore his ACL and missed the second half of the season. Of course, that's bad news. There's a few pieces of good news, however. One, at least he did it in the middle of the season, so he's got quite a bit of time to recover. And you know what? We just saw a guy do it um, the year before and recover just fine, Cooper Cup, who came back and looked actually better. In fact, I remember reporting that preseason last year saying Cooper Cup would be fantastic. He would be better than ever before. Everyone said I was crazy. Sure enough, I was right. 
So I'm not majorly concerned. We do need to track his recovery from this injury, but as of right now, I definitely have a lot of confidence in him, and I definitely like him, but again, that is something we'll be monitoring. Had he played the full 16 games, he was on pace for 105 targets, 57 catches, 761 yards, and five touchdowns. That's all in all a really, really good rookie campaign when you talk about the fact that he was playing for the Miami Dolphins, and that team was a mess the first half of the season. Now, let's talk about that. It's funny, they played better the second half of the season, and good for Miami Dolphins fans. A nice week 17 win versus the Patriots, really starting to turn some things around uh, and getting some things to get excited about. But as I begin to look at it, for me, it just seems so odd how quickly they turned around. So here's my first point. They had an unbelievably tough schedule to start the season. In eight of his nine games, were against eight of the top nine defenses to allow fewest yards per game. Eight of his nine games were against eight of the nine toughest defenses as far as yards per game. Uh, he went against like the Ravens and the Patriots. I mean, it was just every single week was a tough schedule. It was actually kind of weird to see. I don't know if I've ever seen a wide receiver, any player at all, have such a consistently tough schedule. And right as it was supposed to get easy, he gets himself hurt. The other thing being that he's got Devontae Parker there. Devontae Parker went 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns last season. He had a very good year. This benefits him for two reasons. The first reason being that Devontae Parker was good enough that defenses aren't going to be able to put a lot of attention on Preston Williams. Preston Williams is not going to be drawing the main coverage. But did you know that through the first nine weeks of the season, Preston Williams was actually doing better than Devontae Parker? He had more targets, more catches, and more yards. That's a really interesting stat. Um, I definitely have some nerves and some uh, kind of not quite to the point where I'm going to say he's better than Devontae Parker, that's for sure. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely got to make you wonder where's his development curve at. For me, it's a lot higher of a ceiling than Parker has. That was a great ceiling. That's probably one of the better ceilings Devontae Parker's ever going to have, right? We've been waiting around for him to have this breakout career, and it just hasn't happened, whereas Preston Williams is still very young. He is uh, you know, one of those kind of future guys of the franchise. Like They're going to continue to build around him, and they've got a lot of building to do. It's surprising he had the stats that he had when their offensive line was as bad as they had it. In fact, they were the worst pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL. I thought that was funny because they also happened to be the worst run-blocking offensive line in the NFL so you know I tell you what if you're going to go out and do something you do it well um, that's what I feel like with them last year uh, they allowed 49 sacks 70 hits 182 hurries and 301 pressures I got that number by actually looking through every single individual offensive lineman uh, the reason that I did that um, 301 pressures you will not see that in the stat book when it measures the entire Miami offensive line and the reason for that is they will measure it once if three guys get pressure on the quarterback they measure that as one play one pressure but if you measure these players individually um, they will count every single guy who missed an assignment and allowed a defender to get past so that means uh, that includes some of the stats and some of the times where they were allowing multiple guys to get after the quarterback uh, which of course is very bad all in all, I'm going to keep this short. I don't want this to get too long. Rob, if you have anything you want to add, there is just so much to like about this guy. He's a great build. He showed so much potential, and he's definitely going to mature. He's definitely going to develop. Yeah, I'm not going to say a whole lot. I like Preston Williams. Uh, he's got great size, great potential. Uh, they're a team that uh, they are rebuilding. They're going to be playing from behind, needing to throw the ball. The only concern I have, and, and is that we'll have to watch and see who ultimately lands that quarterback there for him. But uh, right now, I think he's a guy I definitely feel strong about 
So all the players in the video that I'm going to highlight are wide receivers I'm going to talk about. I think you're going to vary it up a little bit. I got all wide receivers, and I love having wide receivers as breakout players. And that allows me early in the draft to grab running backs, okay? And that's what I'm going to do early in the first, first, second, third, fourth rounds. I want to grab running backs because, for me, that's where leagues are won and lost. And I actually did that last year. I'll give you a prime example I did last year where I just waited deep into the draft to take my wide receivers while I loaded up on other talented players. So I'm in a 12-team league. It's a PPR league. And we start three wideouts. So I drafted and started Allen Robinson, DJ Chark, and Terry McLaurin. Everybody laughed at me after the draft, right? They're like, oh my gosh, you got garbage wide receivers. Yet they finished 10th, 18th in wide receiver scoring in PPR leagues. Now, some of the weeks I did stream wide receivers for Terry McLaurin because of the offense, the matchups, his rookie, you name it. Um, but he still played well. He ended up 30th in PPR scoring among wide receivers. Now, it was a 12-team league, which means... He is in the top 36, which is where you're going to have to find your first three wide receivers to kind of get in that uh, idea that all three teams start three receivers, 32, you get it. So anyways, I waited to draft those guys, and I load up on all my other positions. So I love when I have sleepers at wide receiver. It's the one position I feel comfortable waiting on. My first player is Brashard Perryman for the Bucks. Uh, now I say for the Bucks, that's currently where he's at. We'll see where he lands. Now, in some ways, Perryman started breaking out last season. He had five games where he was really good, but five games hardly make somebody that you can trust. Five games hardly make somebody a stud. It's not a season. Now, one question I have to ask, even going back, you talk about guys that we have waited to break out, waited to break out. You talked about, of course, um, uh, Parker there, Demonte mm -hmm. Parker, right? Very similar with Perriman. He was a former first-round pick, so what took him so long to start to look like a first-round pick? And I think there's a lot of things that might contribute to that, right? Um, I think one of the things you need to consider, because that was his fifth year last year. He had four of these played. He had one, he got injured. Um, some simply mature late. It happens. Some players take a while to make the adjustment. And that doesn't mean just because they mature late, they can't go on and have dominant seasons. Perryman will be 27 next year. There are many examples of late bloomers, but the guy that I think about, maybe it's because I'm a Vikings fan, a late bloomer is Chris Carter. It wasn't until he was 28 they had a first 1,000 yards receiving season. In fact, he only averaged through the first six seasons 584 receiving yards, and Buddy Ryan got rid of him saying that he didn't have a lot of value beyond catching touchdowns. Um, he was obviously wrong about that. He went on to have a great career. What a great insult, by the way. I yeah. love that. Yeah. You only score touchdowns. I don't want you. I know. It's crazy. Nobody huh? will compliment me like that. No, no. So uh, so that's maybe one reason why he struggled. Uh, late bloomer coming around. Another reason why he may have struggled early in his career is he spent time playing for Joe Flacco, a quarterback. And I've never been a Joe Flacco fan. Those weren't great offenses. He's not a great quarterback. He was shackled to that. Or playing for Hugh Jackson running the offense in Cleveland. That's another reason why maybe he started slow. Whatever contributed to his slow start of his career, I believe that what he did at the end of last year is not a fluke, and he's poised for a breakout year. And here's some reasons why. One, I like his size, 6'2", 220. Good frame, good size there. I like that. Um, consider his numbers. In five games when Godwin and Evans were hurt, he was finally given an increased role in that offense. Okay, He shined. Um, he had five touchdowns in five weeks. During that same stretch, he received the number two wide receiver rating from Pro Football Focus during those weeks. Ahead of players like Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, the only player that was ahead of him was A.J. Brown, and he was hot during the stretch there. During those same five games, he averaged 101 receiving yards per game. That was solid production, especially when you consider that 101 receiving yards per game was done on only 7.4 targets per game. Usually a player like that is getting double-digit targets. He only averaged 7.4, so he's very effective and very efficient with the targets that he had. During that stretch, he had a 115 quarterback rating when thrown to. His metrics are solid. Now, his overall catch percentage was not great last year. It was 52.2. Um, some of that's playing with Jameis Winston, as we all know. Uh, can make great throws and terrible throws. He can be amazing and effective, whatever. But when thrown 
what they would define as a catchable ball. Okay, Pro Football Focus credited him with rare success. During those five games, when throwing and looking at catchable balls, he dropped zero. In fact, if you look at catchable balls all year, he only dropped 2.7%. And he was drafted in the first round for a reason. Let's not forget, he was a first-round draft pick because he has the pedigree. He looked great last year during those five games. And he began to really look like everything the experts said he could be going into the NFL. So I want to read to you kind of some of his combine evaluation. Go back. He comes through the combine. He comes out of college. Here's what some experts said about him. Here's his strengths. Height, weight, speed, numbers that every team covets. Quick accelerator off the snap. Destroys the cushion. Forces cornerbacks to turn and run mode immediately. Um, more sun than most big receivers. Able to break off route sharply and go from stop to start instantly. Constant separation at the top of his route. Always gets over the top on cornerbacks on verticals. Varies route speed. Has ability to body up and box out smaller cornerbacks downfield. Explosive leaper with timing catch radius to make difficult catches look easy. Showed that a lot in those five games. Uh, shows body control, tracking the ball. DP does well. Able to gear up or down needed. Um, is a legitimate big play threat on every snap. He's got athleticism, long speed for yards after the catch, good effort. Just goes on and on to describe. Uh, there's a reason why he was a first-round draft pick. The bottom line, I went on to say that he's got rare combination of size, speed. He's got top-end speed and suddenness that can be found in some of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, I really like this guy. Now, him having a breakout year is contingent, or it's very conditional on where he ends up. That matters. Okay, if he stays in Tampa Bay, that's going to hurt his value because Godwin will be healthy and Mike Evans is there and they're great wide receivers. Now, he says he wants to stay in Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll see. If he does, that's going to limit his target share. But there's also rumors out there, and I like this rumor a lot, that um, the Saints are going to make a run at him. Could you imagine if he ends up on the Saints team? Okay, I love it because one, he's not going to see a lot of double teams because of Michael Thomas. He's got a great quarterback there, a high-octane offense as the team's number two wide receiver a role that the Saints have struggled to fill. So I like Richard Perryman as a breakout candidate next year. Any thoughts? Well, I completely agree with this pick. It's funny because as you're talking, my first thought is, what's my biggest concern with this guy? And it's, where will he go? Which also happens to be the biggest thing that makes me excited. He could go to the wrong place and that could trash his value. He could go to the right place and be a top 12, top six even fantasy wideout. Of course, if he goes to a place like the Cleveland Browns, Probably not so excited, but you get the point. The potential is there, and it just all depends on where he lands. Again, as obvious as that sounds, we're so early in the season or so early in the offseason that uh, we're kind of just predicting some things. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to watch and see. But I like this guy. All right, so I want to talk about a tight end, Jonu Smith. Uh, first of all, I wanted to throw this guy in the list for a few reasons. One, I didn't want to do all wideouts. I like to change up the positions. Two, um, as this offseason ended, as the fantasy season was done, I sat down for myself because last year, a lot of you will know, I was huge on Mark Andrews. Everybody else told me not to be. I was far bigger. I was one of the few people who had him. I mean, even in the top 10, I think I had him in the top eight. Most people didn't even have him there. Most people had him closer to like 20. Uh, so I thought for a challenge for myself, who's that next Mark Andrews? Of course, I'm not going to put a guy on this list just because I wanted to fill the list with a tight end. Uh, but then also I started to look at it, and Johnny Smith really could be. Um, I don't know if necessarily he'll be a top three or four, um, but for me, a top eight for sure. This guy's going to take the leap to that next level. Um, there's so much to like here. For starters, I surprised you the other day when I asked you. A lot of people don't know this. I asked, hey, how, how old is Johnny Smith? He will be 23 years old next year during the season. That's crazy to me. Um, he is still very, very young. I believe George Kittle, when he came into the league, came in the league at age 24. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey, I think, very similar also. Don't quote me on that, but I believe they came in at that age. So he's been in the league how many years already? Yeah, especially at a tight end position where it just takes time to develop. It's hard, man. Uh, you got to do blocking and receiving and whatever. But uh, what I want to talk about is, of course, let's get started with the obvious one. Ryan Tannehill gives him a huge, huge boost. Uh, Ryan Tannehill takes over. He finishes 22nd in fantasy points, but second in fantasy points per drop back. So on the place he's throwing the ball, he was the second best fantasy quarterback last year. He also had the best pass rating in the NFL. Uh, he also had multiple touchdowns in 10 of his 11 games, 22 passing and four rushing. And from weeks 10 to week 17 with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, the Titans average more yards per play than any other team. Um, that's really important because if I'm going to give value to a guy receiving the ball, you need to have value from the quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill, according to those numbers, has given you the second most value in the NFL. That's huge. Uh, so I do like that. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, how can you put him here? How can you put him on this list or like him so much with Delaney Walker? Here's the fact of the matter. Delaney Walker is a 36-year-old tight end who is still on the IR for his ankle injury, still has not been removed, and still is not practicing. That is, of course, um, I'm going to go on a limb here and say bad news for him which means that even if he gets around to play, he'll be 36 years old, and he was not at his prime even at the beginning of last year when he was playing. They need a new tight end. They need a guy to step up, and you know what? When they did, Johnny was the guy. Uh, he had a better catch percentage, an average yards per catch, a better average yards after the catch, and he generated a better passer rating by over 23 points compared to Delaney Walker. Um, going to go out of limb here and say he was simply the more effective tight end, and they would be absolutely stupid to roll into next year and to not use him as their number one guy. Um, furthermore, behind A.J. Brown, he was the number two wide receiver, number two guy on the team to generate uh, the highest passer rating amongst Titans with a, what is it, minimum of 36 targets, just because, you know, there's a few guys. It's funny, actually, the Titans' number one player for highest passer rating generated was their punter. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a sad stat. But anyways, the numbers are all there. Again, he's still 23 years old, and you know who I want to compare him to? Darren Waller. Darren Waller breaks out and has this random crazy good season. Waller is consistently, the first three years of his career, uh, didn't have over 100 yards rushing in even one season. And then receiving, also, yeah. Yeah, receiving, excuse me. Um, but then he manages over 1,100 yards. He has this crazy 90-catch season at 27 years old. So no, it's not a stretch to say that this is going to be or could be the breakout season for Jonu Smith, a guy who, by the way, week seven onward, actually improved his catch percentage. When he took over as the starter for an injured Delaney Walker, his catch percentage went up to 80%. And... He finished in the ten, he finished tenth in those weeks from week seven onward. He was the tenth highest scoring fantasy tight end. All in all, the numbers are there. He's on a good offense, and uh, we probably wouldn't be saying this if Marcus Mariota was the quarterback. Yeah. So the second guy that I have on here that I like to have a breakout year next year is Debo Samuels, wide receiver at San Francisco. When I watch this guy play, he reminds me a lot of Anquin Bolden back in the day. I think many of you guys probably know who he is, maybe not look him up. He's one of my favorite wide receivers, especially when he played for the Cardinals, okay? Now, Samuels in 15 games end up with 802 receiving yards and 57 catches. He added to that 159 rushing yards. Uh, he also added three rushing touchdowns. So that's a total of uh, 961 total yards in 15 games. He played 16 games. He breaks 1,000 yards total. That's pretty good for a rookie there. Now, if you look at Debo Samuel's size, very similar to Anquin Bolden. Six foot versus six foot one, 218 pounds versus 220. But the comparisons don't stop there. Their style plays very, very similar. They got deceiving quickness. 
But after the catch, the run after the catch, once they get that ball after the catch, they run very much like running backs, often breaking arm tackles um, easily and really hard to take down. Uh, he plays really physical there. Now, after week nine last year, Samuels made adjustments. It's not surprising they got better after week nine and improved significantly um, because rookies need time to adjust. It just takes time in the league, right? Um, after week nine, his final eight games, he finished in the top 20 in pro football focuses ratings among wide receivers. During that same time, those eight games, he had a quarterback rating of 129 when thrown to. During that same stretch, he was 12th in receiving yards, and his yards after um, contact was 9.4. That was excellent. was number two among wide receivers. He was very good. When we left college, scouts viewed him this way, and we're seeing it. I think they made a very accurate analysis of what his game and how it was going to translate to the NFL. Here's what they said. Uh, extremely competitive. If you ever watch this guy, I love his competitive edge. I mean, between him and Kittle, uh, I love what they bring there, right? But very competitive. It says, fearless and focused, working down the middle of the field. You see that. I wasn't afraid to go take a hit. Um, and not only take a hit, but give a hit down the middle. It says he steams right through arm tackles after the catch. And that was very evident this year. Um, he never seemed intimidated by veteran defensive backs or whatever it was. Played physical, very competitive in there. They added that he's subtle, uh, makes but effective adjustments. Um, Changing route direction, finding open space, he can settle in the zone well. Um, deceptively runs fake routes, often get defenders to lean or open the hips, getting them off balance, so he's creating those mismatches the way he runs his routes. Good body control allows for earlier stops and turns and routes, possesses strong hands, will win contested catches, works aggressively back to the ball, runs very well with vision, with ball in his hands. Um, he's got surprising speed and a fine separation open field. You know, so I could go on and on, but ultimately, things that they said seem to be translating very well. I love this guy. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo took a step forward this year, uh, in my estimation. His first year, he stayed healthy and played a significant amount of games. Um, now, I will say this. If you go into next year, the 49ers, I believe, are going to be a run-first offense. But he's already Jimmy's favorite wide receiver, undoubtedly his favorite target at wide receiver. I also like the fact that they got stud tight end George Kittle there. It's going to be really helpful keeping defenses honest. You won't see a lot of double teams. You're probably going to sneak the safety over a lot, maybe a little bit, but ultimately George Kittle is going to get a lot of attention from defenses there. He will be, in my estimation, he's going to break out this year over 1,000 yards. He's going to be a perennial all-pro, a fancy stud, easily hitting 1,000 receiving yards every year. And a couple times in his career, he's going to hit double-digit uh, touchdowns. He's going to find that pay dirt. So uh, I like uh, Debo Samuels to break out. No, I absolutely love this pick, and um, you talked about it, but I don't think that stats or words can really explain just how physical this guy is. I, when the 49ers played the Vikings in the playoffs, it was so frustrating. We would hold them to a three-yard slant route. He'd make the catch, and we'd hit him right away. There's, you know, it's a pretty good defense. They're collapsing on the ball, and he, you know, two, three guys on him, no big deal. He'll, he'll get another five yards. I mean, it's, I don't know if I've seen another wide receiver as physical as Samuels. I really don't think so. All right, so I have a confession to make. I've got a bit of a man crush on this guy. And I tell you what, I wasn't going to talk about him just for the sake of it. I know that um, in videos in the past, I've talked about him quite a few times, and I hate to talk about the same guys. Uh, but then I saw that he finished 54th in fantasy points last season, and that was enough of an excuse for me to put him on the list. So last year, he finishes 54th in fantasy points, but he's a 24-year-old rookie who was taken in the fifth round. He actually had a really impressive season for being such a late draft pick, and that alone is something that I like. We'll talk about it more later. His second half of the season stats were better than his first half. He simply took some time to develop. And also, I think he really took some time for the coaches to give him as much of a shot as he earned. So that is definitely something to consider. Now, again, 
He scored 54th in fantasy points, but he played in just 14 games. Because he got injured, he played just 13 full games. And even in a few of those games where he played in full, he was still a little bit banged up. And so injury was something that really held him back last year. Furthermore, um, he was just all around great. When we look at it, uh, 54th in fantasy points again, but only three people who scored more fantasy points than him had the same or less targets. Pretty much everyone else, 51 guys ahead of him, scored more fantasy points than him because they got more targets than him. I mean, that seems so straightforward and obvious. It's, it's just, it's not even a knock on the guy. And in fact, his 3.31 fantasy points per snap, fifth best in the NFL. That's a huge stat. And again, those snaps are going to go up as efficient as he was. And we'll talk more about that in a second. As efficient as he was, those snaps and those targets, they're going to go up this year. He is going to see more playing time and he's going to see the ball more. Um, there's pretty much no way around it with how effective he was. And let's talk about how effective he was. He generated a pass rating of 114. That was 11th best amongst wide receivers with at least 67 targets. Um, and again, he was all around great. He scored just four touchdowns last year. That's not great. The touchdown marker isn't great, but I'll say a few things to that. First of all, there have been a lot of great wide receivers to have bad touchdown seasons. I don't know what it is, but we've seen Julio Jones. We've seen Keenan Allen. We've seen Mike Evans. We've seen some of the best receivers in the NFL go an entire season with only a touchdown or two. I don't know what it is. It almost seems like a fluke. I'd love to break down some of the numbers on that, uh, but it happens. And so for a rookie who's still developing and only saw 67 targets, that's really not a surprise. In fact, that touchdown per catch rate is really not bad at all. Furthermore, all four of his touchdowns came in the last seven of his 14 games. So we can see a real mark of development. In fact, his last two games were back-to-back -back games over 100 yards in the touchdown. All around, that's really great. Uh, but really, the thing that I like the most, his metrics are great. He's a stud. Uh, but I like that he is the number one wide receiver on that offense. In my opinion, it seems pretty hands down. Heading into the season, a lot of people thought it would be Tyrell Williams. But honestly, looking back, um, I have a lot more faith headed into next year with Hunter Renfro. This guy is such a stud. Rob, do you have anything to say? No, I like the guy. I mean, he was really building up some momentum there. Got injured, missed some games there. I think, uh, what did he do? Uh, is a broken, bruised rib, lacerated. Uh, he, yeah, poor guy. Well, he fractured his rib, um, but it gets worse because part of the fracture punctured his lung. So that's lovely. Yeah. Um, so getting some momentum. But he still came back, looked really good. I like the guy. I think, you know, uh, he's going to have a higher value in PPR league scoring. But yeah, mm -hmm. definitely feel like he's got some upside there. So my next guy is Christian Kirk. I like this guy a lot, okay? Uh, the second-year wide receiver showed improvement, and he really kind of gave us a glimpse of what he's capable of doing. Uh, he had two games that were huge. One game, he had eight catches, 114 yards, and he shocked everybody. Ten catches, 138 yards, and three TDs. And I think those aren't flukes. I think those are the type of numbers he can put up from time to time. I think he has that sort of talent. Now, his second year, he improved his catches from 43 to 68 yards, 590 to 709. He improved his catch percentage and his quarterback rating when thrown to. He improved almost every category that you want to see um, got better. Now, I think he's been kind of snake bitten by bad quarterback play since he came in the league. Consider his rookie year. Who's his quarterback? Josh Rosen. Do I need to explain that? Okay. Josh Rosen is not good. In fact, the former first-round pick this year played for the Dolphins. They're rebuilding. He's a former first-round pick, only second year in the league. You think a rebuilding team would give him time to play? They sat the guy. It tells you how bad Josh Rosen is, right? So that hurt. Now, Tyler Murray was solid as a rookie, but he still had rookie struggles. It's hard as a quarterback to make that adjustment. Um, he had a 32 quarterback random on pro football focus among quarterbacks. He was 21st in the NFL quarterback rating, so Murray had some growing pains as a rookie. Then Rosen was downright bad, and I think a lot of those hurt Kurt's numbers and his production, what he can do. 
Um, with that said, Tyler Murray is very talented. I think he's got a bright future, and that's going to be a huge boost for Christian Kirk's value moving forward. There. I think that quarterback wide receiver combination is going to be great for many years to come. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, got to talk about him. He's a stud, future Hall of Famer. Larry Fitzgerald is everything that is right about football. He is. I mean, the guy is a great person. So he's got great character. But he's going to be 37 next year. Okay, he's getting older. You can see he's not the player that he was. He's lost a step a little bit here and there. And this year coming up is going to be a changing of the guard. This year, Christian Kirk's going to lead the team in catches and yards easily. Now, Kirk had a great college resume and pedigree coming in the league, so it's not a surprise. Even in college, this guy was a study he dominated. Immediately as a rookie, he actually really made an impression on the coaching staff. And even drew comparisons to Odell Beckham Jr. Now, put aside Odell Beckham's attitude, whatever you think, if you look at Odell Beckham talent-wise, very talented. He drew those comparisons. In fact, offensive lineman Pugh, who actually played with Odell Beckham, is now playing with Christian Kirk. Here's what he said. Yeah, I was busy blocking there, um, but I did catch a bit of the replay. Um, I know the plays that he's making. He's very impressive. I know how he gets open. He makes plays. Even the punt that he had um, and the one before last week, those are things that stood out for me. He's making an impact in multiple areas of the game. That's a great player to have on your team. Okay. Um, once again, he went out and drew this comparison to Odell Beckham, and here's what he said. Um, he reminds me a little bit of number 13 I used to play with in New York. It seems like he has an extra gear on plays. He's got burst. He's got speed. It's really nice to see that. Now, if you look at the combine, too, he, he crushed at the combine as far as his size and where he's at. He had uh, 20 repetition of 225. He had a 4.47 uh, seconds 40-yard dash, a 35.5-inch vertical, 115-inch broad jump. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, he showed he's got plenty of explosiveness and plenty of that explosive ability. Um, to go with the position. Now, when he was at Texas A&M, he accounted for over 3,000 all-purpose yards and only 40 touchdowns on offense. 40 touchdowns in college. This guy was phenomenal. Um, now, he's just over 5'10", not really tall, um, but at 5'10", he's 203 pounds, so he's compact, he's solid, yet he doesn't compromise speed. He's still fast. But if you look at 5'10", yeah, that's short, but Odell Beckham's 5'11". There's been many wide receivers in the NFL at that height. It's been very successful. I think about Antonio Brown or Steve Smith, so his height doesn't concern me at all. Now, his hand size. Um, his hand size at the combine was 9.78 inches, really big, just like Odo Beckham, great hands. So it says he's got great hands, the ability to use his body to create a bigger target, shield defenders to make a fantastic option over the middle of the field. These are some of the things that we see, who he was, what he did at the combine, how he came in the league. Now, one of the weaknesses that he was kind of given coming into the league was this. Here's what they said. Scout said, he's more quick than fast. So that's like a down grade on his ability. And to that, I say, so what? Uh, Jerry Rice didn't have a lot of straight line speed. In fact, how many burners have come in the NFL who were really, really fast but never translated? As a Vikings fan, I think about Cordell Patterson or Troy Williamson. Um, a lot of you go back. Number seventh in the first round, we drafted him because he was really, really fast and he fizzled out in the league. Um, so I don't care not so much about that. He's quick and that matters. Now he's young. And I like the fact he's young. It gives him a lot of room to grow. In fact, he's so young, it's going to be his third year next year. And he's only going to be 23 next season. There's been this thing in football or fantasy football, whatever you want to call it, that it typically takes a wide receiver three years to really blossom. Um, it's called the th the third year wide receiver rule. Sorry. Um, it's a really creative name for the rule, by the way. Yes, yes. They really went out there, right? Third year wide receiver rule. It kind of refers to the theory that wide receivers who blossom or have breakout years generally do so in their third year. Now, like all generalizations, there's not saying it's set in stone. Um, there's flexibility in that. But if you actually study it, there's some truth to this. Um, now, running backs can come in the NFL, and if you're a solid running back, if you're healthy and talented, it doesn't matter if you're a rookie. Rookie running backs can be very effective, but wide receivers, their learning curve is bigger. Okay, They're adjusting to the new professional level defenses and solid cornerbacks and safeties. 
Plus, they have to learn the, the playbook. And then on top of that, develop a relationship with the quarterback. 2020 is going to be Kurt's third year. This year is going to break out. Now, when I look at his numbers, here's what I see. Um, I think he's going to have value higher in PPR league scoring. I think his production and play will be much like Jarvis Landry, Wes Welker, or uh, Julian Edelman. That's kind of what I see with his game. But I really like Christian Kirk. So I think he's a guy that's going to break out next year. Any thoughts? Yeah, the one thing I want to throw in there. Uh, did you mention when he was drafted? Um, because the interesting thing to note, and this is really important to remember, he was supposed to be drafted in the first half of the first round until he got arrested. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people remember that. Um, was it like throwing rocks at a cop car or it something was, yeah. really stupid? Um, he's been in the out for two years now. We know that this isn't an issue. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not going to constantly be getting arrested and in trouble. Um, but that tells you that he had even more talent, and that was something that held him back uh, from getting drafted a little bit sooner. Uh, just something, I guess, to add on to note to that. Well, the thing I like about it, too, is when that happened, he came out. And I love it. Okay, so he made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Let's see how he reacts. He owned it. He said it was stupid. I can't believe it. He wasn't making excuses. He seemed humble to a correction. And so you're right. I'm not concerned about his attitude. Uh, this guy has got first round abilities. All right. So I want to talk about Raheem Mostart. And first of all, I'm going to apologize. You've probably been hearing his name a lot lately, but that is for a good reason. Um, I'm telling you right now, this guy looks like he could be the Super Bowl MVP. He certainly seems like the, one of the biggest reasons that they're going there. I mean, look at it. Conference championship game versus the Packers. This is supposed to be Two game, I mean, this is supposed to be a team, two teams against each other amongst the four best in the NFL. It's supposed to be some super competitive game. He rushes for 221 yards on 7.6 yards per carry. He does it like it's nothing. He is absolutely fine. And so I want to read off some stats for you, but I will note a few things. One, these stats include playoffs because I think the way he's been playing in playoffs, it is a not fair to not talk about those numbers. He's just been too good. Well, can too I pause good. right there and say something? Okay, so you know, you're know you including your playoff numbers, but in theory, that's better competition. Mm -hmm. You know, So the fact that you're including that, uh, I don't think is uh, padding the numbers. And mm -hmm. in, in theory, it should bring down some of his uh, numbers, at least his effectiveness and efficiency, but go ahead. It should bring down some of his effectiveness and efficiency. Also, he hasn't played in the Super Bowl yet, so his numbers are going to go up. And while a lot of guys got to play in the playoffs as well, he didn't play in the wild card round either. So he's really only played two playoff games so far. That's what these stats are going to include, just to kind of clarify everything that we've talked about. But he leads all qualifying running backs with 5.9 yards per carry. The next guy up on that list in yards per carry is Gus Edwards at 5.4, which means he is getting an extra half a yard per carry than the next best running back. That's absolutely insane, and I have never seen a gap that big. It's been so long since I've seen a gap that big. And again, this includes all running backs. Every guy who touched the ball this year, um, over, I think it was about 40 times, just to eliminate some of those anomalies. There's always that fullback that gets one carry for 50 yards, but you get the point. Uh, but it's not just that. You talked about it earlier. The 49ers are so freaking physical. It's just not even fair. His 3.74 yards after contact was fifth best in the NFL. I mean, the guy hits you and he just keeps going. It's like you're not there. It's crazy. He also had 12 rushing touchdowns, which is fifth most rushing touchdowns in the league, although again, that includes playoffs. Um, he has 11 touchdowns in his last eight games. He's been absolutely insane. Really, the reason that he still could be on this list, his season was so good, I almost couldn't include him, except that his first part of the season, those first seven games, were bad enough, or you know, the first half of the season, basically, were bad enough because they just weren't using him. 
And, and that's the thing. That's why he still qualifies for this. Had they been using him all year long like they used him in the playoffs, he'd already that would have been his breakout year, right? That would have already been it. Um, and, and I do apologize. This is a slightly obvious one, but I definitely felt like I had to include it. And I tell you what, I'm happy to talk about the 49ers. It's fun. I love talking about the playoff teams and the teams that are still competing. But anyways, here's what really stands out to me. In week 12, he saw six carries. In week 13, he saw 19 carries. Uh, you know what happened in between those weeks? In between those games was when Kyle Shanahan said he's been playing too good for us not to give him the ball more. And sure enough, after that point, he absolutely explodes, and he has been insane lately. Again, 29 carries, 221 yards, uh, 7.6 yards per carry, and five yards after the uh, yards after contact. Excuse me. Against the Packers, that was his last game. Conference championship game, supposed to be this really competitive game. He's just been electric lately. Um, and I'm sitting here trying to come up with ways to explain how effective he's been, but you guys know how effective he's been. If you're watching this video, if you follow fantasy, you know he's been great. The only knock on this guy, the only concern is that next year he will be 28 years old. And that is not so great for age at running back. However, I can give him a pass on that by a couple of years. I would consider him more a 25 to 26-year-old. And the reason that for that being is he hasn't taken the starter's workload. He's been a backup his whole career. He hasn't played like Adrian Peterson. He's not Emmett Smith. The guy hasn't been getting 20 carries a game. And so you know what? He doesn't have kind of that exhaustion, right? That tiredness, right? And we've even heard that from running backs who say, you know, I'm so excited to have the offseason to rest or uh, Peterson after he gets injured. Um, remember, he gets injured versus the Redskins, comebacks the next year and has this massive, insane season. And uh, the funny thing was is, you know, he you'd think he'd be talking, you know, oh, it's such a tough year coming back from that injury. But he said, uh, I remember him saying something like, it was nice to have a couple extra weeks off. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that tells you how physical the position is. And again, this is just for one year, so I'm not talking he's going to be great for the next six, but you get the point. He's been really effective. Yeah, and we'll see what's going to happen. Reminds me a lot of Priest Holmes, okay? He played Baltimore behind Jamal Lewis. Uh, you know, had an okay numbers, nothing great there. Goes to Kansas City, blows up. He was older. I think he was like 27, 28 before he got the opportunity to be the starting running back there. But for four or five years, though, he was dominant. Top five in fantasy scoring. I think he had two years where he finished with 24 and 27 touchdowns. He dominated. So uh, this could very well what's going to happen here with Raheem Mostart. Yeah, and the thing that I like most that I really have to key on here um, that I, I maybe should have already focused on is the touchdowns. Again, 11 touchdowns in his last eight games. This guy is a stud in the touchdown category, and that's what matters. And I trust him for that, too. Some running backs can go out and have big touchdown seasons, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if he's going to repeat that. A lot of his touchdowns come from it is simply an effective offense. And so I trust him to repeat that heading into next year. Yeah, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen in the offseason. We don't know, so we're both going to have to get done there. But I could see them stick with him next year. First of all, in the NFL, a lot of the contracts aren't guaranteed. They put a ton of money into Coleman and uh, Jarek McKinnon of the Vikings. Now, they'll probably bring Coleman back, but Jarek McKinnon is going to be a casualty there. He's going to be gone. They're going to save themselves money um, and use that money elsewhere, you mm -hmm. know, locking up some of these young players for long-term deals. Um, why not bring back some guy like Raheem Mostart? So I'm going to talk about receiver Anthony Miller. Bears wide receiver, I think he's going to have a breakout year next year. Now, last year at a five-game stretch, he looked really good. If you go back to his rookie preseason, he made a lot of noise there. Um, but he's had some injuries. I think the biggest thing that's hurt him is probably what? Any thoughts what you think is hurting um, him? Quarterback play or yeah. lack of quarterback. Yeah, Mitch Trubinsky, his play has not only hurt him, but the entire offense there. So here's why I think he's going to break out. Mitch Trubisky has to improve. He will improve or the Bears will make a switch. I guarantee it. In fact, Wait, I go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you know, it's so funny you say that. I couldn't sleep last night, so I'm on YouTube. I watch a video. It is um, 
on the seven quarterbacks the Bears could have and should have drafted over Mitchell Trubisky that yeah. year. So that's kind of it was not a great pick. Hasn't been too effective. But I'm sorry to distract you. Yeah, no, it's all right. And you know, I think so. I think quarterback play is going to improve. They're going to bring in some real competition for Mitch this year. In fact, I won't be surprised if a guy like uh, Philip Rivers or they draft someone who knows. But um, what's going to happen is either he's going to improve or they're going to make a switch. And that switch at quarterback or the improvement at quarterback is going to positively impact the entire offense, including Miller. Now, last season Miller had a five-game stretch where he had 33 catches, 431 receiving yards, and two touchdowns between week 11 and 15. When the Bears' offense was clicking, he was thriving. You look at those numbers, you project that out over a year, that's a huge season, okay? You're looking at uh, 12, 1,300 yards, great numbers there. Now, the former Memphis standout improved from his rookie year. Uh, he had 5,656 um, receiving yards versus a rookie. He had 423 there. Um, he improved those yards despite Trubisky's decline in efficiency. Mitch Trubisky got worse, and yet his numbers still improved there. Um, he can be a lethal route runner. Come out of college, everybody knew that. He's what they call uh, quick twitch athleticism, explosive, quick. Um, a lot of things you want at a wide receiver like that. And Chicago clearly wants this guy to be part of their offense. They traded back into the first round to grab him. Talented Memphis product has been compared to Pittsburgh wide receiver, well, former Pittsburgh wide receiver, Antonio Brown. Those were the comparisons he drew coming out of college there. Now, Just to pause. clarify, that's a comparison of talent, not attitude. Yes, yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> that. We know the guy's crazy, um, but we're talking about talent. When he is on the field, Antonio Brown is phenomenal. Okay, mm -hmm. um, Likes him to get back in the NFL, but he's got a long way to go before that's going to happen, right? So they compared him to Antonio Brown. His ability to go over the field, to move him around, to do different things. He can stretch the field deep with his speed. He has the ability to go up and get the ball. Uh, he can be a threat in the middle, you name it. Very talented. Uh, here's some of the strengths he had come out of college. said he's got a superb route runner, tremendous slot receiver, good speed, excellent hands, very competitive, greedy receiver, tracks the ball well. Dangerous yard after catch. I saw that a little bit in those four or five games that he was really good. Yard after catch was great. Uh, loose of an open field, his ability to cut. Consistently generates quick separation. Can challenge defenses vertically. Um, he will all fight defenders for the ball. He's good against good competition. Raise the level of play in crunch time. He's got thick build, good work ethic. On and on, I could give you all these adjectives, but he's very solid. And I also like that Allen Robinson really established himself there, meaning that he usually will see the number two cornerback. Mm -hmm. um, because Allen Robinson looked very good there. Now, the concerns I have is he's had some injuries and some um, emotional breakdowns at times. So maybe he's more closer to Antonio Brown than we realize. But, uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> but the guy's got huge, huge upside. I think he's going to have a breakout year uh, next year. And one more guy I'm going to add to that real quickly. I don't have a slide for guy I think is going to have a breakout year is Alan Lazard, uh, wide receiver for the Packers. Um, guy, I love his size, six foot five, two 227. Aaron Rodgers likes him and trusts him. Um, and it was impressive that he didn't really get the first opportunity to really start or play until week six. Yet he finished second on the team with receiving yards of 447 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So he's another guy to keep an eye on is Alan Lazard. So anything on Miller, anything on Lazard you want to add? I like the Lazard thing. A lot of people were saying, wow, what a bust this year. We thought he was going to take over that role and be great. It's like, well, you thought that was a guarantee? You're acting like that was a bust? He could still very well have a great career. The problem is um, in fantasy football, we want, a guy, we want guys to develop in a microwave. We want to hit the 30-second button and it's done. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is we gotta, these guys develop in a slow cooker. I don't know why I'm referencing that, but that's what I think of. We, we just want to hit the 30-second button so we can check our phone real quick, and suddenly he's an elite talent. That just doesn't always happen, especially in a Packers team that has historically done this and still does this to this day. They have always developed guys over years. Every single wide receiver they've had. Devontae Adams, um, he's another guy who – he's their number one guy right now. How many years did it take for him to develop? And it's just what they do. Um, and so it's really not a surprise to me. And, again, I just wonder why are so many people surprised 
realized that he didn't quite turn out as what they expected him to be. All right, that's it. Those are some of our breakout players. We'll do sleepers as the year gets closer. A lot of things. We want to hear who your breakout players are. What's your prediction on the Super Bowl? Once again, love you guys. Appreciate it. Love the support. Click uh, notification, subscribe, share, you name it. Uh, once again, we look forward to hearing from you. God bless and take care.